Welcome to the Forward Minds podcast, where we meet entrepreneurs and innovators focusing on creating a more sustainable future. Listen to their stories and discover how they are shaping a new lifestyle. I'm Joy Asfar, founder of the Forward Lab. You know, I'm halfway through my career. I've been building businesses, making shareholders richer. And, you know, I just felt like I wanted to do something with the second half of my career. How hard was it? to actually make these products without plastic. It's literally everywhere. I just sat on the idea for ages and then eventually plucked up the courage, decided to go for it. Today, my guest is Laura Harnett, founder of Seep, a company creating cleaning products made from sustainable and renewable materials. Seep products are 100% plastic-free, compostable, or fully biodegradable. Laura tells us all about her journey from working in product-driven companies such as Selfridges to being an entrepreneur. We also dive into plastic, the differences between compostable, biodegradable, waste, and greenwashing when it comes to recycling. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for being here today on The Forward Minds. Hello. Well, thanks very much for inviting me, Joy. I'm delighted to be here. It's great. I'm very excited to discover the story of your product. So you started SIP in 2020, so I'd say quite recently. And we will talk about SIP in details. But first, I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself because your career before SIP was a very interesting one. And I would like to know also what led you to become an entrepreneur? Yes. So I live in London with my two children, who are 12 and 10, and my husband. Um, I'm half French, half English. And uh, I spent the first 20 years of my career in uh, the consumer and retail industry. So My very first role was incredibly glamorous. It was buying tinned fish, excluding tuna. So for a 21-year-old girl, uh, like a woman, you know, young woman, tuna was too strategic uh, for the business. So I was given all the other tinned fish, like salmon and pilchards, um, which is obviously very unglamorous. Um, But I, yes, I was a buyer at the beginning of my career, the first few years. Then I went into strategy consulting um, at Deloitte and Booz and, you know, led a very exciting life, I guess, working for brands like Coca-Cola and uh, Walgreens, Ikea, doing a lot of traveling, which meant that when I had my children, I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't keep traveling like that. So um, I went in-house, so retailer side, so I was head of strategy at Kingfisher, so that's a uh, the sort of uh, PLC behind uh, B&Q and Screwfix and Castorama uh, uh, in France. Yes, of course. So that was, um, yeah, so which is, you know, really exciting, big retailer. Um, I was traveling still quite a lot for that role. And uh, when you have young kids, that just it just made it really tricky. And so Selfridges came, uh, that role at Selfridges came up. It was, you know, very close to where I live. You know, if you're in the retail sector, kind of Selfridges is pretty iconic. It was uh, one of the retailers that, you know, they really believe in experiential retail and um, they've got a really strong sustainability focus. And it was, you know, fantastic, you know, learned a huge amount. So I was there for four and a half years, roughly, um, as kind of the chief of staff and then running the transformation, digital transformation there. But my story is that sort of towards the end of that, I was diagnosed and treated for breast cancer. Okay. Uh, which as a, you know, I was in my late thirties and, you know, it's, it's all fine. You know, I always talk about there being so many silver linings um, because it just made me realize, you know, I'm halfway through my career. I've been building businesses, helping other people with their businesses, making shareholders richer. And, 
I, you know, I just felt like I wanted to do something with the second half of my career. And so I'd started doing a bit of angel investing. I was doing a bit of advisory work and I'd had the idea for Seep. And I kept thinking, you know, the story I tell is often, you know, I was walking down the, the supermarket aisle. I had lots of challenger brands in my my trolley, um, like, you know, Dorset Cereals and Oatly and Ecova. And then one sector section of the, the store, which is all the kind of cleaning tools that you use with them. Um, I just couldn't find a better product that wasn't made of plastic that was a sort of challenger brand. So I just sat on the idea for ages and was too scared to do anything about it. And then eventually, you know, plucked up the courage, decided to go for it. And yeah, so that's that's so that's a bit about my background. I mean, that's very that's very brave because tackling the you know the products like sponges that are in the in the supermarkets, we all assume that they're made of plastic, but we don't really think about it. And so it's a kind of a daunting task to decide to make it without plastic. And so before talking about the the way you make your products, I really like the name Sip, and I know there's um, a little meaning behind. Do you mind telling the listeners what it is? Yes, and it's it really it it like people are divided about whether they like it or not. So really? Um, yeah, really divided. And uh, so when I was coming up with the concept and the name, I'm married to a doctor and he thinks everything should have um, an acronym. So he was coming up with what, you know, like sustainable, everyday, eco, you know, products. And I was just like, oh my God, that's amazing. That spells SEEP. And he hadn't realized it, it spelled SEEP. And I love the name Seep. It's kind of short. It's quite memorable. I like graphic. You know, if you talk to graphic designers, they say it's quite nice because it's it's you can play with it. But he was like, "Hang on, you can't call it Seep." You know, um, infected wounds Seep, and it's it's got horrible connotations. But it's really and actually, very occasionally we get people who say, you know, it's not a nice word. But actually, we love it. I love it. Yeah, I think it's nice that it doesn't relate to the products themselves. You know what I mean? Because obviously, as you say, you know, they're they're cleaning products, so they're not also the sexiest products in our yeah. in our cupboards at home. But it's good that they're not related. I think it, you know, it kind of triggers your curiosity in some way. Yeah. And I didn't want to call it kind of bio something or eco something, which is the really traditional way of calling something. And actually, you know, it's gone beyond, you know, so the idea is all of our products seep back into the earth. We make them yeah. to be home compostable as possible. And actually, there's a sort of also, a, you know, lots of like seeping into your everyday habits, you know, so actually, there's lots of ways you can use seep. So um, it's really growing on us. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to reverse to the fact that you create better household products, uh, which are good for the environment. You basically eliminated plastics from sponges, bin liners, cloths. The question that came first to my mind is how hard was it to actually make these products without plastic? Because it seems just in my mind, kind of impossible because I guess they're stronger with the plastic, um, they're more resilient. How did it work? Yeah, and it, it, it's not it's not easy. So um, when we were thinking about sort of what, what are the first couple of products that we want to launch, we did a survey and, you know, to lots of people, we pushed it out through all of, you know, my network, you know, to um, friends and family. And we found that the sort of two products that people most frequently replace, which obviously makes a sort of good business model, is the sponges, these kind of green topped scourer sponges, which you probably everyone recognizes, they're kind of yellow on the bottom, green on the top, and cloths. And so cloths like e, uh, the microfiber cloths, uh, there's a brand called E-Cloth and uh, J-Cloths, which are used quite a lot in sort of restaurants and cafes and quite traditional. And then I set about trying to find like what, what, 
can you use instead? Because both of those, you know, e-cloths and microfibers, you know, microfiber means microplastic. Not, not very many people know that, that it's made of polyester, which is a plastic. Um, and then the plastic sponges are made from polyurethane and they go bobbly on the top. Um, that green stuff goes bobbly and that's, again, microplastic and it goes bobbly because it's releasing microplastics. And actually, the irony is, is that, you know, certainly on the sponge side, there are some existing. So for the bottom bit, which is the sort of absorbent sponge bit, there were cellulose wood, um, cellulose sponges already in existence. Okay. Uh, so that's the sort of, you know, the foamy, foamy bottom and you use wood pulp and you, um, you know, you take out, you separate out the, um, the kind of cells from that and you can then create the cellulose sponge. But what didn't exist was what do you put on the top as the sort of scour piece. Um, and so we looked for lots of factories uh, in Europe to find out what could we put on the top. And we really struggled. Like nobody nobody answered my calls or my emails. Everyone, you know, we were tight. It hadn't even launched yet. So it's very, very tricky for a small founder to do that. And then I looked further afield and I saw people were doing the separate kind of lo- the scourer piece as a piece of loofah that already existed. And so then I was like, well, why don't you put the two together and put the one on top of the other? And so you know, went down that route and found um, somewhere that did it for us. So we um, have found a manufacturer out in China, which is contentious in the sustainability space. And we, you know, we're really transparent about why we've done that and why we think it's the right thing to do at the moment. And so they then helped us develop it. You know, the, it's tricky though, right? So the glue that you use to, to stick to put... I was going to say the glue, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so actually we have to stitch it and then they wanted to use poly. So lots of them use polycotton or polyester thread, which again, got plastic in it. And so then the first lot just kept on separating because actually cotton isn't as good at stitching the two. I mean, like we had so many issues. Um, and then actually cellulose sponge is, is wet, it's quite damp by nature. So when you put it in cardboard packaging, because most of these things are packed in plastic. Yes causes issues so yeah we I have learned the hard way and so um you know the cloth has been easier but it's um I mean you have tackle you have decided to tackle one of the hardest thing which is plastic and it's once you start putting your head into it you realize that it's literally everywhere it is everywhere and and it's such a hard thing for any you know for brands because lots of consumers I didn't know how much was out there and so partly then as a brand you're not just selling a product but you're having to educate people or let people know why they need your product right so you know I think the fashion industry is quite similar lots of people don't realize that you know um, a lot of the materials are made of plastic you know and uh, and we're having to do the same. So I, I want to circle back to what you just said about educating you know your your community to why they should not use those plastic sponges can you in a couple of sentences tell us why? So the green plastic scour sponges, you know, hundreds of million of them are thrown into landfill every year in the in the UK alone. You know, and those products are uh, made from virgin plastic. So, you know, you can't use recycled plastic to make them. You can't recycle them at the end. Um, they have to be thrown in the bin. And then as you use them, it releases microplastics, especially from the scour piece on the top. And so instead, you know, our products are made from renewable materials and you use them for a month or two, you cut them up, put them on a compost heap and it literally goes back in the air. So yeah. that's how we, that's what we talk about. I mean, it's when you, when you talk about it and I was listening to you, basically the whole, the classic sponges are only made of plastic, like the whole life cycle, like just releases plastic all the way from, at, you know, at the landfill when you're washing it. So it's just, 
it really is necessary to basically educate people to use something else. Yeah, you have to. And actually what we're finding more and more is that as more brands are jumping on the greenwashing, you know, are understanding this is a growing market, we're, we're starting to see more eco products. You know, I've just seen one, I think, that's launching next month. Um, and it's the cellulose wood pulp on the bottom, but the top looks brown. So it looks eco, but it's blended with polyester. And so that makes the whole thing, unless you're going to peel it off um, at the end of life, you know, it, and, and then it's wrapped in plastic. And so, you know, that's the sort of, that's one of my personal crusades is just, you know, there's a lot of greenwashing in all the sectors, but, um, you know. I mean, I, actually, greenwashing was uh, something that I wanted to chat with you about, because when it comes to, to plastic, especially, it, it seems that it's everywhere when, you know, we use recyclable plastic, compostable plastic, reusable plastic. I mean, it's very hard to, for someone who's not in that space to wrap their head around it. And, you know, the coffee cups, sometimes the bottom is recyclable, the top is compostable. It's just, you know, it seems slightly a bit of greenwashing because we don't know where to put it in terms of yep. which bin do we use. And also at the end of it, we don't really know where they go. What's the real end use of this, you know, recyclable plastics? So I was going to ask you what your thoughts are about, you know, around that idea and especially greenwashing in that space. It's really tough. So I was, um, I was on a on Radio Four a few months ago, and because of an article had just come out about compostable plastics and the fact they're doing, you know, people are saying they're doing more harm than good. We've got one product in our range that is made of compostable plastic, so it's our bin liners, and it's it's a really really difficult issue to understand. So, you know, you've got recycled plastics, which obviously is, you know, you can recycle things a few times, um, but essentially it all will end up in, in landfill or incineration eventually. Compostable plastics, though, you know, they're made of renewables, um, renewable sources, so things like corn, um, and they're, you know, they're treated in a way, but they create a sort of polymer that is plastic, you know, but it's plant-based plastic, it's called. And so often you'll see it on packaging as made from corn, but effectively it's a plastic that's been made from corn. And there are several generations of those, you know, so the very early, the early generations, which tend to be cheap of this compostable plastic are, don't break down. And that's what this report had found is that actually something like 70 or 80% of them don't break down even on compost heaps, even though they've got the certification. And actually, if they get into the plastic waste stream, they can't be recycled. It's it's really difficult. And so you're trying to do something right, but not. And in our, our compostable plastic batter, like bin liners, you know, we thought long and hard before we did them. So what we, we use, the kind of third generation, it's called Matter B, which does break down in home, home composts within six to seven weeks. But if it goes, if you're using general waste and you're putting it in general waste, it'll just go in the normal general waste streams and won't break down. And we're pretty straight up, you know, we're straight up about that. And our, our view is that at least it doesn't have the, you know, a bad footprint upstream, right? You're not using oil, you're, you, you know, and it hasn't got the toxins when it breaks down. So yeah, it's a, it's a minefield. I do have a question though. When you yeah. get, uh, not the bin bags, obviously, but when you get something from, you know, a fashion brand, for example, as you say, they have these, you know, compostable, you know, wrappers now, and they're very proud and it's written on it. It's going to sound very stupid, but I'm pretty sure a lot of people ask themselves the same questions. Which bin do you use? 
Is it the recyclable bin or is it the general waste bin? But actually, you cannot put it in the recyclable bin because it's, it's not proper plastic. Yeah. And so you put it in the general waste, but does it work in general waste or is it just an added general waste? I, and I, before I set up seat, I thought I knew and I really didn't. And it's been a journey, it's constantly a journey finding it out. So I think the answer probably is what type of compostable yes. plastic, home compostable, it probably can. So I have, you know, I live in London, I've got um, a compost heap. So mine will go into my compost heap here. But not all compostable plastic is home compostable. Some of it is industrial and there's that isn't widely processed, especially in London. Um, so the answer is probably it goes into the general waste bin. And it's not composted, basically. And it's not composted. Yeah, so it's just, in that way, technically, it's slightly some greenwashing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's some greenwashing. And, um, you know, I guess you don't have the upstream footprint uh, associated with, you know, because it's made from, from corn, but it's, yeah, it's... Do, do you think um, the way to tackle this problem on top of education but education is really hard because you know I'm in that space um and your answer was you know those compostable plastic bags well it depends which compostable plastic so technically it's not written on the bag so I don't really know what to do with it so do you think that the, one of the solutions to this would be some government regulation at some point I just think it's so difficult to expect the consumer to understand any of this so I think you have to try and make it easier but even when you've got some sort of cert you know like proper certification like TUV in theory is proper certification you know this that report that came out before Christmas showed that even when you've got the proper certification home compostable home compostable plastic it's not in real composting conditions so I think you've got to yes you've got to give um customers a bit better information but my my constant rant is about the kind of waste management infrastructure in the UK is just so bad you know every single council can treat things differently they, they can take some things and not yes. others uh, so it, it makes it very difficult for people to understand what it is you there isn't automatically kind of you know organic waste that's picked up from from houses so you know, we, we were looking at taking on a new cloth product, which has, instead of polyester as the binding agent, it uses um, uh, compostable plastic. And when we said, yes, but is it home compostable or industrial? They were like, it doesn't really matter because in Germany we take, you know, food waste is collected. And so it doesn't matter if it's what, what kind of composting it, you know, it is, yeah. it, it all works. And so... You know, the answer is better infrastructure in the UK to, to deal with it that's more consistent. And then you can start being much, much clearer. You know, you put it in the, you know, the, the green bin, the brown bin, the, the blue bin, and it's consistent wherever I you I think live. one of the cities that, are, that is very advanced in terms of waste management is, I think, San Francisco. You have the red bin for food waste, the blue bin for, you know, each. And actually, you, you get fined if you don't properly manage your waste. And I can't remember the numbers because I had read that in an article, but I think they had, was they proved that they they brought some energy through it. So obviously, it's it's a great added solution. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that, and it's you know I hate saying that people should be fined because you know often that um, penalizes the people that don't have very much money. And but I I do think that if we want to take this seriously and reduce the sort of household waste waste problem, that's what we what I do agree with you. It's not great to be fined, but it's. The word fine is probably the wrong word to use, but it, you know, when we started paying for our plastic bags, 
if we didn't bring our own bag, it, it was kind of the same idea. There's an incentive to do it properly. Exactly. And so people just need a little push. And now it's, it's, at, it's at a point where, you know, having your tote bag is a, you know, is a fashionable accessory. You want to have a really cool one. You take it to, you yeah. know, to do your food shopping. It's, you know, it's part of your like day-to-day life now. So you just needed a little push. And unfortunately, I guess this is the way a human being yeah. is to be incentivized to change. One one little detail that I would like to ask you again also is when you say home compostable, does it mean that it's the bin that you use that is that works? So home compostable means, in theory, if you put it on your home compost, I was about to say, I was going to lift up my laptop and you can see that my, the bin in the back. Um, in theory, if you put it on your home compost heap, it should, it should break work. down. Okay. It should. But it's uh, there's like more and more information out there now that those lab tests, which you know certify if it's home compostable, are not in typical home composting conditions. So I'm not very good at composting. There's a real science about how you home compost properly. Yeah, I use a scheme actually that's made by my council where oh, um, you have these. Uh, they give you a little bin with compostable bags, and it's just for food waste. Um, and you know they pick it up every week. And I think it's a great way to start touching at composting. Uh, obviously, in London, properly composting is tough because it would usually mean get, giving it back to the earth. Yeah, and in theory, that's what you're doing. But I think there's a in some places now, there's an amazing guy in Brighton uh, who runs this business called Compost Club. Okay. And he picks it up. He picks it up from all of his, um, from loads of, you know, houses. He runs the same thing. He's an amazing composter. He produces loads of great content. About <laughs> That's how he does great. It. Okay, I'll follow him. And he takes, and then he brings it back to people, which I just think is. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's like collaborative composting. Okay, amazing. Um, so to go back, talk about SIP. Uh, as you said, we talked about composting and fully biodegradable. How does it work in real life when we get one of your sponges? We, you know, we wash, we use, we get to the end of it. Uh, how do I dispose of a, use, um, a used sip sponge? Yeah, that's a great question. So starting in kind of order of the best thing to do, really. So the best thing to do is what I do and I think quite a lot of our customers. So when we surveyed them, about 60% of them do this. So you literally use it for a month or two um, when it looks really disgusting. And then we, you know, I start it off on the sink and then, you know, you then used on my kids' shoes and then, you know, it goes kind of down the like chain. Um, and then when it's so disgusting, I can't use it for anything and it's falling apart. I then will cut it up into small pieces and then just put it on my home compost heap. Okay. Uh, so that's, you know, and it, it'll break down, you know, within a couple of months, uh, you won't be able to see a trace of it. Um an annoying question, if you don't have a home compost. If you don't have a compost yeah. heap. So then next best thing is your food waste um, people. So lots of councils do have a sort of organic food waste um, uh, pickup. You can do the same thing. So you can cut it up into small pieces, um, put it in there, and so and, and it'll break down. If you don't have food waste collection, Probably you know, because we matter. literally answer these questions all the time on our socials. Um, 
you can, in theory, so we've got some hacks and tips that we share. You can cut them up and when you're repotting a plant, you can put them on the bottom of the plant. Okay. Actually, it's a great way for the plant to retain the moisture and uh, and so to keep the um, soil moist. So that's one hack. But I mean, if you bury it in somewhere of something, it will break down. Okay, that's great. I mean, that that, that was actually my question. If I decide to, you know, randomly go in a park and bury it, that's yes. technically the way it should work. Yeah, I mean, we're not advising to do this. Exactly. As a brand, I, should, I cannot be advocating. No, no, no. But it's just to, to understand the concept of, uh, of composting and, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's got loofah, which is, you know, a kind of cucumber type vegetable. So the top of your sponge is loofah, like the, the classic loofah that you use on your, on your. Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. On your skin. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and lots of we often get people going. Yes, but you're killing baby sea sponges to get the loofah, <laughs> and it's you know loofah is you know I didn't know this before I started seat, but it's a you know it's a veg it's like a giant cucumber that grows on a vine. You know, yeah, they're big, big brown kind of. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. They're actually like these really long cucumber like things. Um, you know, so that's the top. You've then got a bit of cotton stitching it to what is effectively then sort of wood pulp. You know, puffed up wood pulp. So. You know, it, there, there should be very few reasons to put this into your into your general waste. Okay, great. And for the cloths, the norm is it? You know, for example, the cloth is also the same. So the cloth is a bit trickier, and one of the things that we honestly Sorry, annoying question. <laughs> yeah, but we like one of our values at Seep is to be straight up and honest about what stuff is, because although we, we try our best, but we can't be perfect. That's that's our. I, I cannot agree more, and I think um, pretending that it's possible to do to do it all is is not is not very enticing for the rest of us to follow the the rules. No, exactly, um, because we're not going to be able to be perfect either. So yeah, so um, our cloths are ninety nine percent viscose, so sustainably sourced viscose, and viscose. I didn't know this either before, but is is derived from again from wood pulp or you know loofah or is sort of it's. Um, naturally derived and uh, and then there's a small less than one percent polyester in the um, that's then used as a binder to bind the fibers and we've tried really we've done so many tests over the over the last year or two to try and get rid of that binder um, but it's incredibly difficult to get rid of it because then the fibers are just too loose and then they, they um, disintegrate um, so our cloths are kind of washable the ones that we launched two years ago are still going strong so there's no reason why they shouldn't be they uh, they obviously shed very little microfiber compared to polyester um and you can in theory recycle them like a sort of textile um absolutely and so you offer as we said you know cleaning tools are you de- have you decided maybe to expand uh, the sip uh, offering to i don't know washing products like washing up liquids or other products for the home so I, I thought about it, but actually there are some really fantastic eco cleaning fluids and detergents. And um, there's a lot of challenger brands that are doing really good stuff in that space. So like Home Things, uh, Neat, there's Delphus Eco. Um, and so, you know, and I think I want to fix, you know, the 50% of the clean that hasn't been tackled yet, which is all the cleaning tools. And that for me is where the white space is um, for growth. And that's where we're focusing our, our like research and development. So I want to be an expert on my side of the aisle okay. and leave them to their side of the aisle. So I guess improving even the products that you already have in your 
in your range? Yeah, what improving the products we have, you know, and where there's still a lot of products that we, you know, we I'd say we're on V1, um, but we want to really take it a lot further. So we're, we've just won some grant funding from Innovate UK. Congratulations. The sort of government arm, which is fantastic. And so, uh, you know, they, that, it'll take quite a while, but we, we've got some exciting things. In the pipeline. Okay, great. Um, a last question that I always ask, depending on the space that we're talking about, but could you give us some tips on how to become a green, cleaner home? To have, a, you know, a bit of a, what's your, you know, 101 for someone who's never done it? Where do you start? Like, is it with the washing up liquid, the sponges, the, you know? Yeah, so I'd say there's a, there's a couple of them. So first of all, I definitely look at what you're throwing. What are you replacing really frequently? So um, for me, that was you know, the, you know, I've switched from methods now because they, you know, they ship in plastic, they're sort of single use plastic squirt bottles. So there's a lot of, um, you know, you can dilute, you know, you you have little tablets, um, or very concentrated liquids that you can then dilute. And so that will immediately kind of reduce your, you know, and that's across several different types of products now. Um, and they're sort of widely available in a lot of retailers. So I definitely reduce your use of single-use plastic by going down that route. Um, and there's also some great refillable products um, that you can do. Um, so I think that. Um, then second, I'd say look at some of the really traditional things that have been used. So we have a huge amount of content about how to use lemons and bica- um, bicarbonate of soda. So those can be really, really effective cleaning materials and they're cheap we do a how do you clean your microwave and so you put a bowl of water a sort of used piece of lemon uh then you put it on you know and it's it's a fantastic way to um to disinfect uh, and clean your uh clean your microwave so there's loads of cleaning tips and hacks like that that you can do for cheap you know that are relatively cheap and um effective uh, so yeah, there's and obviously switch to seep. That's obviously the the trick. Um, and one thing what I've just started doing is uh, so I've switched all my um, laundry tablets now to ones that with uh, with no plastic, and I, I refill you know on a regular basis. And I've just stopped using softener uh, fabrics. Oh, okay. Because uh, actually, you know the it clogs the pipes quite a lot of fabrics I didn't know that okay yeah is made from is like kind of derivative of of animal fat um I know which is disgusting (laughs) and and lots of people use it because it makes their clothes smell nice but actually you can just use you know a squirt of perfume yeah or nice soap um and so yeah and actually using a bit of white vinegar um in your tray can also soften the the clothes actually the the last change that I've made actually last week was um I changed my dishwasher tablet to you know an eco brand so I'm trying it right now so let's see uh, it's also, I think what's important to just mention to our listeners is that it's, I would say, in my opinion, there's a bit of a trial and error You need to find a product that you like, uh, except from SIP, obviously, you know, we all like the sponges, but you know, if you're using like, you know, washing product, you need to find something that you like that works. Um, because as you say, there's a lot of offering on the, on the market. So there's a bit of, um, you know, there's a bit of time to try and make sure that you find the right thing for you, basically. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And actually don't expect them to work exactly the same. That's a know? very good point. So too. You have to kind of, you know, what we say is that our products work. So, you know, they do work, but sometimes they require a bit more, uh, a bit more elbow grease and they won't work yeah. exactly in the same way. So you need a bit of patience sometimes when you're switching. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Laura, for being on the Forward Minds. Um, it's very exciting. To, I thought it was really interesting. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I will send uh, our listeners to your website for some cleaning tips and to discover your brand also. That's amazing. Thank you. Fantastic questions. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, Laura. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today on The Forward Minds. Head over to theforwardlab.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. 